Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. And one of the most important use cases or utilities of blockchain technology, in my opinion, is democracy on the blockchain. Getting the power to vote into people's hands so they can vote securely, instantly, and it's cheap for taxpayers. Today's guest, we have Jamie Skella of Horizon State. He has an Australian company that is doing just that. He's making solutions for democracy. Now, we've covered this on this podcast before when we had a conversation with Boulay, who is also doing democracy on the blockchain. But we said, this is so important. We have to keep highlighting it and have to keep promoting and educating on the importance of putting the power of the vote in your hand. So listen to this interview with Jamie Skella of Horizon State. But before that, please Check out Crypto101podcast.com. That's Crypto101podcast.com. There you can find links to our social media. You can find ways to contact us to say what's up, give suggestions. And you also can find our Patreon page where you can donate to help us run the servers, maintain our website, and so on. And lastly, you can find the link to the iTunes subscription page. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a comment and a rating. It really helps us stand out. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you after the show. Hello, hey. how are you? Hey, how you doing, man? Good. And then, how do I turn it around? Uh, let's have a look. See, we're, we're making uh-huh. we're making companies on on blockchain, and Skype technology is still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually don't use Skype very often. I pretty much use Skype for these sorts of things, and and that's about it. You know, nobody uses Skype very often. Are, are you drinking a beer? It's actually a cider. It's a really really nice cloudy cider from uh, from Tasmania, the oh, little wow. island off the south of, of Australia. Oh, right on, man. Oh, I could totally go for a beer. I partaked a little bit too much uh, last night, but... It's the season, you know, and uh, there's just Christmas parties left, right, and center, and I had a... You said you're going to a barbecue after this, right? I've actually just arrived at the barbecue place. I said I need to borrow a spare room that's quiet. So I'm at, <laughs> I'm at my friend's place at the moment, and uh, I've got a barbecue now, and then uh, off to uh, a wedding party after that. Can I put this in the in the interview? <laughs> go for it. Go for it. <laughs> right, right on, man, because I, I really like when people, like, know who they're talking to. Like, I think like some of these people uh, in, in the blockchain world that they really get, you know, blown up where like, there's almost superstar status. And it's like, these are dudes. These are real people. Like, we like drinking beer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Wow, you're just a normal guy. It's like, yeah, man, we're all just people, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Right on, man. Right on. Well, anyway, thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Um, and your barbecue for talking to us. Pleasure, man. No worries. If you don't mind, we could just go straight into it. And um, could you please just tell everybody a little bit about yourself, who you are, and 
yeah. Sure, sure. Well, um, name is Jamie Skeller, uh, co-founder of Horizon State. I've been in the sort of crypto space now for probably three or four years, all in all. Uh, it, it initially started with an interest in uh, Ethereum, uh, primarily because of its programmable nature. It was far more interesting to me than, than Bitcoin, primarily because of the sorts of opportunities uh, that it presented in respect to actually creating brand new business models uh, and, and ultimately sort of reshaping the way our world works in some pretty profound ways, you know, far beyond merely finance. It was uh, more significant than that, thanks to the power of these smart contracts. About two years ago, I got to work with my vote, and that's sort of where the, the tech that Horizon State uses uh, sort of came to be. Uh, my vote is a, a, a not-for-profit democratic movement, some pretty large ambition to reshape the way we, we govern ourselves and do it more effectively and sort of return some power to the people. And and out of that, we, we saw a need to try and deliver a way to engage constituencies, such as the Australian population with immediacy and frequency and regularity so of course postal votes and uh, you know paper ballots are expensive and they're mm-hmm. timely to set up because of the research that i've been doing uh, in blockchain at the time it sort of it was a bit of a no-brainer it was it was it was clear we needed to try and repurpose this distributed ledger and its transaction to represent votes and sort right. of that sort of led us to where we are today with our you know recently closed token sale and, and some of the great work we're doing as we work towards commercialization and, and some pretty big deals next year. Off-topic question, is Skella your real name? It is, uh, but that's, it's kind of a made-up name. So my, That's my, the coolest grandpa, like, last name ever. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get some interesting <laughs> comments. People think it's like, well, man, it sounds like a really cool skater name or something like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my, my grandpa fled Europe during the time of World War II. Uh, as far as we understand, it, he was he was a he was a turncoat. He was an intelligence officer. He spoke seven languages. And uh, after the war was beginning to wrap up, he, he fled to Australia and and, uh, and made up this last name. Uh, and so we actually really don't know much about our family history. Uh, right on. Interestingly, is sort of he is he is the end of the line so far as the information we have. Um, and so yeah, I'm one of like two skellers in the world because it's uh, it's not a real name. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. That's super interesting, man. So going back to Horizon State and, and you, what were you doing uh, before you started Horizon State? And first of all, congratulations on, on on the company. And also, can you tell us a little bit about what you're trying to do with Horizon State? Yeah. So I mean, in terms of before Horizon State, I guess if you were to try and put me into a, a box or two, I uh, I guess I'm most commonly called a, a strategist or a technology strategist or even a, a foresight strategist. I do a lot of work in emerging technology and mm-hmm. trying to design interfaces and technologies and products that take advantage of that emerging technology in ways that I believe are going to create the best future for us. You know, as as uh, as a culture, as a society, I, I guess I've spent largely the last 20 years doing those sorts of things. I got my start sort of when I was 13. Our parents finally bought me a computer. I, I really wanted it just to play Quake on. Um, but then I sort of <laughs> Quake, stumbled across yes. this thing called the uh, the internet. And uh, this blew my mind, <laughs> you know, being able to like send a text message across this, this uh, computer to a friend suburbs away at the time and, and being able to dial into each other's modems and create these connections and uh, create content and publish it instantly for the world to see this was this was uh, revolutionary stuff for me and uh, I, I fell in love and, and that love has never really died since then head of user experience at the afl which is the australian football league it's kind of like our equivalent of the nfl but you know very different sports uh, head of ux uh, at a company called tats group working on lotteries uh, and wagering products not my favorite industry but a lot of great experience uh, and i've also dabbled in startups as well i mean um, the, the first my first work uh, so to speak, was in fact business I started 
called uh, Pantheon Events, which was an esports event management business. About 10 years too early for that. If I'd started it now, it would have been much more successful with, with that industry taking off in a big way. Um, I'm part owner in a, in a bar called GGEZ, which is an esports bar. Um, I co-founded a startup called Contact Light, working on some um, out-of-home advertising technology and a, and a really cool transit application, which has been featured by Apple seven or eight times. Um, so, yeah, pretty, pretty varied. Um, you know, people Pretty busy, look at it sounds. what I've done in the yeah yeah people people look at what I've done in the past and they go wow it's kind of random but f- for me it's just always been about the future you know thinking right. about uh, what technology is is around the corner and what opportunities that presents for us to uh, advantage of now Horizon State itself to put it in a nutshell we're utilizing distributed ledger technology or blockchain technology to create an unhackable ballot box a tamper-proof ballot box okay. um, and this has some pretty wide and far-reaching implications in that, you know, people generally, the, the connotations when you talk about a, a ballot box immediately go to electoral processes and, uh, you know, voting in elections. But right. uh, democratic processes where you vote or, or there is something akin to a vote uh, taking place um, is actually quite dynamic and varied, and it extends far into enterprise as well. So we are deeply engaged with a, a few high-profile multinational enterprise opportunities where our technology is going to be used for things such as membership engagement, um, mm-hmm. you know, 5, 10 million members around the world for various purposes, or indeed we are looking at AGMs and shareholder voting. And so it's not just about elections, but obviously... AGMs? Um, you know, sorry, what's that? AGMs, you said? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, annual general meetings. So okay. you know, businessy type process stuff. Where, wherever, wherever some sort of opinion is solicited or a vote needs to be cast, where the topic is sensitive and you want to provide accountability and transparency, ultimately delivering trust and confidence to right. the people that are casting that opinion or that vote. It's a, it's a big deal and it's a it's a great application for this kind of tech. It's very interesting that you went from, and I understand what you're saying is like you look at new technology and you see where you can implement it. From your varied background to democracy, what is your inspiration for making this kind of platform opposed to say a, a currency or sure. a supply chain? I um I started working with uh, the founder of MyVote about two-ish years ago. Well, well, I was actually introduced to him for again a completely different matter. He was he was an executive at a at a Melbourne um, education institution, you know, towards the southeast of Australia. And I was actually looking at selling in some of this uh, technology that I was working on previously into this education institution. It was about um, having uh, students be able to interact with screens in their environment just by being in proximity. You know, no need for QR codes or NFC or scanning or tapping or any of that sort of stuff and he was working in the background quite quietly at that moment on something called my vote which was sort of uh, you know this democratic movement which i described earlier in a nutshell and a lot of the things that underpinned this movement uh, from a philosophical perspective are things that resonated with me because thinking about my childhood growing up in a relatively low uh, socioeconomic geographic here in Australia, I was really, really disconnected from from the political landscape. And so all my friends and and family. And the only reason that you really went to vote um, was because if you didn't, uh, you got a fine because voting is compulsory here in Australia. Um, And so there was uh, a very low awareness or understanding of what was going on in regards to policy. Uh, Too often we were voting for personalities or parties rather than the policies that underpinned their campaigns. You know, you're really only voting once every few years, which I believed was 
far too infrequent. Mm-hmm. And then when you vote, it's really the decision between sort of in, in Australia, at least one of the two major parties, it's, a, it's a effectively a two party system. Right. And you have to take all of their policies. And there are some good policies and there are some bad policies with each. And it never made sense to me that I sort of had to pick between two sets of policies when in fact, I had strong opinions on specific policies. Right. And, and my vote represented a way to potentially change this. So I sort of got brought on board as uh, as the sort of user experience and the technology guy um, mm-hmm. to, to think about what the membership experience would look like and, and how we're going to pull off this online voting stuff, uh, which is sort of where, where blockchain came into the picture. We have a huge Australian following on this podcast, and that was part of the That's inspiration awesome. of uh, you coming on this show. Uh, some of the listeners reached out and was like, you got to get this guy. What is a outcome for Australia that you would like to see using your company, Horizon State? Politically, economically, how do you feel the people of Australia will be empowered and interact with that system? So I think this, the simplest example of where we can provide benefit to the people, uh, but also to the government as an existing institution, if, you, if you'd like to call them that, is, um, well, it's threefold. We improve efficiencies. The example I'll use is the recent same-sex marriage vote, uh, which was non-binding, by the way, but it was a postal vote here in Australia, which ended up costing the taxpayer in the vicinity of $120 million. Holy it took shit. two and a half months to orchestrate. Yeah, it's, it's like really expensive to send people pieces of paper. Uh, Holy apparently. shit, that's crazy. There's a, lot of, the, the, yeah, there's a lot of people involved in the process. There's a tremendous amount of planning and double handling and uh, you know these, these physical assets. Ultimately, what we sort of had was a, was a glorified poll conducted by, by mail, by snail mail. Mm-hmm. And so utilizing Horizon State technology, we would have been able to cut down the time involved from about, you know, two to three months. And instead, that would look like a few weeks or, or really however long it took um, for the, the various um, teams to, to work on the information delivery through right. a digital platform. The cost would obviously be significantly less as well. So the cost to the taxpayers, instead of 120 odd million dollars, um, you know, it'd be in the vicinity of two million dollars. Uh, right. That includes everything, sunk costs. Right. Yeah, big difference. That includes everything, including sunk costs in relation to software development that has already happened, but also the blockchain transactions that would that would need to be paid for. And then, of course, there and and they're sort of ten to fifteen fold increases. We're talk, we're talking ten x across the board. But where things get you know staggeringly better, unprecedentedly better, is in respect to the security of the outcome. Um, so we saw pa- postal votes being delivered to the wrong places. We saw them left out in the rain. And when you when you think about what these mean uh, in practicality is that the system is very insecure. People are able to vote on someone else's behalf. Votes um, are either not counted or potentially miscounted. Um, and so utilizing Horizon State technology, what we have is a perfectly secure solution where the vote uh, cannot be tampered with. The result is set in stone. It's transparent. It's there for everybody to see. It can't be changed. So it's, it's, it's pretty profound. It's the first time in history that we've had the opportunity to conduct ourselves in, in this manner. Let me, let me frame this question a little bit before I ask it. There's a lot of information right now everywhere on Facebook, social media. You know, there's competition to get as much information into people's hands. And honestly, people in my opinion, are just getting overloaded by the sheer amount and then cannot decipher which one's real and which one's not real when it comes to information. Is this system of getting the votes to people faster and more and people being able to vote more, is that just too much information maybe for people? 
Yeah, look, it's it's a terrific question, and it's I don't think it's asked enough. It's one of the it's one of the questions that I don't get asked too frequently, but is actually really important. And, and the answer is just as important, obviously. But yes, um, when we're talking about a compulsory voting system, um, needing to vote per policy as those policy policy issues arise, it's not realistic. But I don't foresee a future where voting is compulsory, um, especially not as we. Uh, are able to shift our democracies further towards a direct democracy model. It's not practical to have people consume the amount of information they need to consume and all the issues that come across the table. But what I think is really important is that we provide the opportunity for people to have their say on issues that affect them or their family or their community with more frequency and immediacy than, than what is possible now. And I think a really key facet of this equation is really about trying to establish higher qualities of outcome, not just more frequent outcomes. So the fact that we are now able to provide individuals the ability to to vote on issues which affect them or their family or their community with immediacy and regularity doesn't necessarily mean that the quality um, of outcomes is going to be better. It doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean that our democracy is going to be improved. There's a big piece of this puzzle, which is about how do we improve our democratic outcomes? And this relates to uh, the, the kinds of information that is delivered uh, what that information looks like and um, how it's delivered. So if you look at, um, for example, the situation over in the United Kingdom with Brexit, um, that result was almost unarguably something that reflected a manipulation um, mm-hmm. of the constituency. Mm-hmm. There was a tremendous amount of misinformation. There was party spin. Um, media influence uh, had, a, had a, a part to play based on their ownership. Unfortunately, um, lies sort of created that outcome. And we need to get to a place where we're able to enable the constituency to have a say in a similar way to what they did with Brexit, um, but ensure that um, the information that they're given is far more objective and far less uh, biased. And so using my vote as an example, which is sort of where all this began, and and they're they're using Horizon States Tech today, is that they have an international research team. Uh, They're from the left of politics. They're from the right. Um, They're in, you know, China. They're US citizens. They're British citizens. And they collaborate on these information packs that go out right. uh, before each and every vote to try and improve that quality of outcome and make make sure that people have the opportunity to digest information, which is far better than what they'll see on Channel 7 News here in Australia or Fox News in the US or CNN or whatever it is. You know, ma- mainstream news um, is typically not a good place to get information that you need to be basing important decisions on. I know that we took this maybe uh, to voting in democracies in, in- governance a lot and very Australian centric, but maybe we can make this more global and more broad. What are some of the possible dangers of a horizon state democracy on the blockchain? Um, look, I, I think in, re, in respect to risks, it really ties back into the last answer, which was that with this technology comes the opportunity to enable communities to make decisions more rapidly. But are we improving the quality of those decisions? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, technology is increasing in an exponential fashion. Uh, each individual uh, is empowered in uh, brand new ways uh, to to affect themselves and their communities and ultimately the world. And the, the question really is, how do we ensure that our uh, capability for quality decision-making also becomes exponential along with that technology? Because we are racing towards a world where maybe in the not-so-distant future, um, you know, right now you can 3D print firearms. Uh, and, and certainly there is no doubt that sometime into the future you'll be able to 3D print uh, a nuclear weapon. And when you have mm. people, for example, 
that um, independently and individually can wield that kind of power, we need to uh, we need to hope. Well, we don't need to hope. We need to work towards a future where we have also empowered people to make better uh, decisions. And so, the kind of technology that Horizon State is working on now, I think, is an important first step. Later, you know, I think um, artificial intelligence, I think intelligence augmentation, uh, these are going to be very, very important parts of of our uh, information uh, future as well. It's going to be a very, very different world in sort of 50 and 60 and 70 years. And unless we can find ways to continually improve our decision-making processes and the quality of outcomes, we might be in a bit of trouble, I think. What do you think of these, some of these other people that are trying to do the same thing on the blockchain that you're doing? A couple episodes ago, I think maybe last month, we were interviewing a company called Boule, and mm-hmm. they're doing something very similar to what you're doing. And the reason why that we're doing this again and having this conversation with you is you are a leader in this field, but it's such an important use case of the blockchain. How is Horizon State going to differentiate themselves from that or do they need to? So we're different um, in a few ways. When you think about Horizon State versus our competitors, ultimately the underlying fundamental mechanism um, for why we exist is that now there is an opportunity to utilize blockchain technology to secure the vote. Um, And so whether it's Boule or Follow My Vote or Votes Platform, all of these blockchain-oriented startups are utilizing the tech for that purpose. And so the difference really lies in a few areas. One is the team, uh, one is commercial prospects, and three is the product. So some of these other teams don't actually have a working product yet, uh, Mm -hmm. which puts us in a a very different category to them. Some of them are uh, brilliant technologists, brilliant, more brilliant than me uh, and anybody on our team, in fact, like really, really smart guys. Um, But that's also not everything that's required to to make a technology business successful. You know, I think I'm 33 and I think I'm the youngest on our team, um, but we've all got a tremendous amount of experience in technology design and experience design and importantly, commercial pursuits um, that involve huge government tenders that involve uh, enterprise deals worth tens of millions of dollars. And so this this sort of uh, commercial mouse and uh, and sort of business savviness is, is, is a really, really big deal. And generally speaking, I think um, a, a key difference in regards to product is that we aren't just a voting system. You know, this is this is about improving the, the quality of outcomes and it's about an entire decision-making platform. So, you know, <clears throat> We have um, a fundraising mechanism for independents wanting to challenge for seats. Uh, we have an AI play coming into into our field of vision, uh, which we intend to start developing re- really soon and having ready for a, for a 2019 uh, feature launch. And we have some other really, really interesting angles as well, such as um, constituency incentivization. So we talked earlier about, is there too much information? Um, now, I think if we can start to throw away uh, mandatory voting and we can start to think about ways to encourage people to consume the information that is going to lead to better outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so if we think about these tremendously important information packs that my vote puts together for their constituencies, um, the question is always, well, cool, you have some of the least biased and most objective information on the planet in regards to these matters. Kudos to you. How do you get people to read it? Uh, and up until now, there really hasn't been an obvious way to do that. You can encourage them to, but you know, often encouragement isn't enough. We're all time poor. Everybody's busy, families and work. However, if you can start to incentivize people to consume better information, then all of a sudden, I think we're onto something. And that's quite a quite a profound concept. How do you, how do you incentivize a constituent? Well, using this ecosystem. So, HST is is our primary sort of economic unit. Uh, HST, our sorry. Uh, the Horizon State Token or Decision Token, okay. as okay. we call it. You're able to utilize our platform as a customer, such as government or an institution, to actually not only encourage positively um, the people that are involved in the decision-making process to consume information, Mm -hmm. but indeed remunerate them 
using this currency. Right. Um, so for the first time ever, we were able to uh, ensure that people are consuming. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. the right information um, to make better decisions, which is not only going to be better in outcome for them, but their entire staff or constituency of any kind. You mentioned about your team. You, you're the youngest person on your team. You want to tell us a little about those guys and who's, who's part of it? So our CTO is uh, Nemo Namani. He is Israeli uh, in background. He currently lives in Wellington in New Zealand. He's, he's a gun, really clever guy. He's our sort of tech genius so far as actual technology is concerned, uh, writing the code. He has a great team of uh, developers surrounding him, including Jason Theron. Uh, we've got Dan Crane, head of R&D. Dan, formerly chief online officer uh, at an ASX 100 called okay. Tats Group, which is also a company that previously worked at. So he, he has a tremendous amount of experience in businesses at scale and he's a really really clever technologist as well he's been involved in, in blockchain for for a long time now um, and continues to do significant and important research in regards to uh, what is on the horizon um, mind the pun and how we might be able to utilize uh, or benefit from that we've got about nine people in the team so far and uh, that's obviously going to continue to grow over the over the coming months and years um, but it's solid it's a really really solid team And can I just move into more general opinions about the market, the current state of events in blockchain? What do you think about this whole Bitcoin rise? Uh, I think, look, I don't think anybody knows why this time. It's, everybody's <laughs> looking closely at it and nobody has a good answer. Look, I think um, the fact that so many Bitcoin 
uh, futures opportunities have, have just been announced. It's probably driving up the price, probably bringing in a whole lot of new external money. Um, obviously, the mainstream media continues to drive cryptocurrency in, in different ways, right. uh, shapes and forms. I think it's a, it's a big deal for mainstream media at the moment because um, it, it seems to be getting ratings. Like it's, it's getting the attention of the masses, even if the masses aren't proactively participating right now. But we're seeing that change. Look, I, I don't know why it has really skyrocketed so fast. You know, there's, there's, there are people out there talking about Tether and perhaps sh- shady dealings in regards to that. that. That may or may not be true. I think uh, some of the arguments proclaiming that it's it's kind of a scam. I think there's actually some credibility there, but I wouldn't want to go out and, and say that explicitly. It's hard to say. Look, I, I suspect we will see another crash sometime relatively soon. Uh, as demonstrated by most reputable and credible cryptocurrencies or crypto assets over the past three and four years, everything continues to go up over time. So right. whether it's you know crashing one month compared to the last or crashing one day compared to the last, uh, those willing to hold on to their investment for, for longer than very short periods of time are seeing tremendous benefits over the longer period. Uh, you know, if you bought Ethereum or Bitcoin uh, this time last year, you would have experienced some some tremendously scary ups and downs. Uh, I was I was on holiday with the wife over in Croatia uh, when I saw my Ethereum portfolio drop seventy percent in about twelve hours. Oh uh, man! Uh, so, but you know, um, it, it's now um, exceeded the all time high uh, just right. recently, and you know, again, it's dipped a little bit lower again. But but the point is that overall, everything seems to be sort of continuing to go up. Now, of course, this isn't financial advice. I can't predict the future, but I I personally have a lot of confidence that um, any credible currency um, or any credible uh, crypto asset uh, still has a, a bright near-term future. Right, man. I was uh, panicking when I saw that Ethereum 400 to like, what was it, 90 US overnight. It was, it was not <laughs> yeah. normal. What do you think of uh, Ethereum? Ethereum network is getting tested these days with this whole CryptoKitties thing. Um, do you have any insights on that? Look, not, not specifically, other than a reality I'm sure we're all aware of, which is that uh, blockchain in general, not just Ethereum right now, there are significant and important scaling uh, problems that need to be solved. Yes. Thankfully, there are people way smarter than me that are working on solving them. I mean, uh, Ethereum alone has a number of scaling technologies in the pipeline, Raiden, sharding, plasma, and we should start to see some of these implemented towards uh, the end of 2018. Assuming we can we can solve these scaling issues, then we're really in a, in a tremendous position to realize the potential for Ethereum, but also smart con- contract blockchains in general, um, and what that means for enterprise and business, and indeed disintermediation of existing institutions. Right now, uh, there's a lot of treading water, and, and yes, right now there are a lot of hiccups, but um, I do think we're going to solve it. I don't think there's any question uh, that we're going to solve these scaling issues. And in fact, depending on which blockchain we're talking about, some kind of already have um, in, in interesting and novel ways. In terms of public blockchains, uh, programmable blockchains, something like Ethereum, I'm pretty sure that during 2019, that's going to be the, the uh, breakout year for real-world applications um, mm. on a large scale. Mm. Why do you say that? Why 2019? Well, I think that's realistically how long it's going to take for us to get the right scaling solutions in place. Okay. Um, 2018, um, I'm sure we'll see some go to testnet and maybe even see some of them deployed to the to the public blockchain towards the end of the year. Uh, but 2019 seems about right so far as a timing perspective. Uh, we'll, we will be in a good position so far as uh, the, the development and testing of those solutions. You just mentioned about actively participating for the masses. The masses are now passively listening to the news and the media and knowing 
Bitcoin. They know the brand. But if you're involved, how would you actively participate? So I've been writing the odd article, uh, trying to help inform people um, about the opportunity from a blockchain perspective, um, talking about the crypto assets that relate to some of these blockchain startups, talking about how to purchase the assets that relate to those startups, as well as some of the some of the coins, some of the currencies, you know, uh, Ether, Bitcoin, Litecoin, these sorts of things. And I think it's it's really just about that understanding because it's not particularly intuitive and so the more people like you and i can do uh, this podcast is is a, is a great example of helping try to bring people up to speed help them understand how things work uh, helping them understand how to get involved i think the, the, the mainstream press drives the curiosity and then anybody who's truly curious ends up jumping on how does bitcoin work and so as long as um, we continue to, to create um, relevant um, and well tailored resources for people landing on those sorts of searches, then I think it's, it's just a matter of time and it, it's clearly beginning to accelerate already. Is it just knowing and investing and holding as participatory and education? Or do you think that people need to actually get out and try to implement like cryptocurrencies, people accepting Litecoin or what have you? Or what about like politicians like using seeing something like Horizon State? Should they be actively trying to get people to be democratic on the blockchain? while taking Litecoin for their businesses? So I think the way that we need to think about um, blockchain is in, is in a similar way to how we think about TCPIP, HTTPS, uh, Linux even, uh, the sort of operating system that runs so much of the internet from an operating system perspective, in that we don't, we, we, we don't really think about them. So we, we need to get to a, a place in time where blockchain is, is less of the buzzword and more of the important sort of architecture and infrastructure that support some of these sort of web three ideas now in the meantime uh, obviously i would encourage everybody who has an interest to go off and spin up their own cryptocurrency or uh <laughs> do a little bit of research on solidity uh, and what that what that programming language looks like do some research on uh, blockchains in respect to cryptography but we can't expect everybody to do this and in fact most people never will and that's fine because um, the rest of us who are working on it need to take this to a place where blockchain really kind of stops getting talked about we'll know that blockchain is mainstream when we stop talking about mainstream right mm. uh, sorry we'll know that blockchain uh, is mainstream when we stop talking about blockchain is that a good thing i mean we don't talk about tech anymore i mean that we take for granted we don't i don't know how the in interwebs work i don't know how my router in my house works like even even the i have no clue so when we stop talking about it, are we missing a great opportunity for blockchain and some of the, the, the utility that it could hold, even though it is mainstream? Two of the cornerstones of technological progress are typically to make something cheaper and faster. And the third one is making it easier to use. Mm -hmm. Now, I just, I just don't, I don't think it's realistic to, to have everybody fully appreciate how um, most of what they use day to day really works. But I would encourage them to. I think it's I think it's a real shame that people don't have a good understanding of, of how electricity works, considering it powers pretty much all of our modern lives. Uh, people don't, generally don't have a good idea of, of how the plumbing works in their house um, mm -hmm. or, or where, the, where the storage ends up. Um, there, are, there are so many things play such profound and important pieces of our lives. Uh, they deliver either information or they deliver hygiene. And all these things make us richer uh, emotionally as well as actually. They make, us, they make the world function. As, as we know it. And, and yet people don't often have a good grasp about how this world has come to be. And I think um, in time, blockchain is just going to form another piece of that puzzle. And so um, I think people should take an interest uh, and start to think critically about 
everything that makes up their life and and how uh, these things make their life what it is. But we just can't expect it. You know, it's just uh, there there are there are too many people and we're we're too busy. But yeah, I mean, for, for people who have now just started who are listening to this podcast, just going, you know what? Yeah, I don't know how the plumbing works, or or I don't <laughs> I don't under, I don't understand uh, how my TV actually gets power. Go and go and Google it uh, because it's fascinating. And, and in fact, the, the more you understand about how your world works, the, the, the higher propensity there is for you to become an ideas man. You know, it's it's understanding right. some of the fundamentals and going back to uh, what Adam Jacoby from Livey um, describes frequently as first principles, peeling things back and getting down to um, uh, to, to some of the underlying uh, information and, and workings, and uh, all of a sudden. Um, you start to have better ideas about how to improve the future with the knowledge of how things you know, work now. Who is somebody you look up to in the crypto space? Naval. Naval, I believe his last name. In fact, I don't even know because uh, I, I got following him on Twitter. He's the, the founder of AngelList, which, okay. which some of the listeners might know about. Naval Ravikit. Look, I'm, I'm going to butcher his last name and I really don't want to. But um, if you go head to Twitter, it's at Naval, N-A-V-A-L. Naval is... Um, an incredibly smart and wise individual. I've never spoken to him, spoken to him d- directly or, or, or personally, but I've been following him um, for quite some time. He's shed light in some really interesting ways with some really uh, profound perspectives on blockchain and, and technology and, and the world more broadly, I suppose, uh, which, which sounds a bit odd. But if anybody's curious as to um, what I mean, definitely head along to Twitter, follow him, because um, I'm sure you'll, you'll, get, you'll get some, um, some some real gems out of it. I think I'm going to do that right now. I don't think I'm following him. Um, if this was the first podcast, which it might be for especially some people in Australia right now, they might see your name and go, I'm, I'm listening to this, this podcast, let's figure out this whole Bitcoin thing. What would you tell them about getting into the space? What would be the first thing you would want them to know if this was their first Bitcoin blockchain podcast look if, if they're listening to this from the perspective of cryptocurrency and speculative investments I, I just want to reinforce that right now it is a speculators market most of the organizations that are spinning up these tokens building businesses around the blockchain their, their business models haven't been fully realized and whenever these utility tokens are created utility is usually quite some time for maturity so be aware that yes there is opportunity there is uh, money to be made doesn't necessarily mean you'll you'll make it there's a lot of risk involved and and any money that you're putting on the table you should be willing to lose and that's that's really important from from a blockchain perspective if you're listening to this podcast from the perspective of a technologist or an entrepreneur i think really really the most important thing to consider right now is that most of the the technologies and the opportunities uh, that are being worked on right now are really just an improvement on the status quo. I want people to stay, to start thinking even further out of the box. Uh, when you think about the, the, the birth of any brand new technology, the internet or otherwise, what we typically start to do to begin with is start to look at the existing ways we work or the existing ways we socialize and effectively digitizing that. Uh, but it's not until normally quite a few years after that we start to think about brand new ways to do these kinds of things using this technology, which are right. cheaper or faster or more efficient. So I think um, there are some Awesome, awesome blockchain businesses um, already coming to the fore, but I think the best is yet to be seen, and uh, and I'm I'm hoping that maybe some of the people listening to this podcast um, are the catalyst for those awesome ideas. That almost reminds me of the Henry Ford quote: "If I asked people what they wanted, they would say faster horses." 
It's actually, I, I love that quote, but it's actually a misappropriation. So Henry Ford never actually said it, uh, but oh, there's okay. some truth to it. Oh, damn. Although, although <laughs> p- p- putting my uh, putting my user experience uh, hat on, having spent a lot of time, you know, conducting um, user testing and running user groups and spending a lot of time in interaction design and user experience design, my argument to that quote is always that well, you should you should have still asked because there is a lot of really important insight to be garnered through those conversations with prospective or existing sort of customers or users. But yes, it's it's that it's that kind of leap that I'm talking about, right? You know, there are there are simple ways to improve what already exists, and and then there's rethinking problem entirely. And this, in fact, comes back to to part of our earlier conversation, which is that people tend to sort of fall back to defaults and iterate very quickly now. Uh, based on our technological progress and the and the uh, and and the benefits that our tools uh, enable, but iteration only gets you so far from from what I call the local maxima. In that, if you're only thinking about the problem or the potential improvement based on the last version of what you have, then it takes a long time to get somewhere different. Um, whereas if you start to go back and think about the problem fundamentally, what the problem is uh, that sort of got this uh, existing solution to where it is now you can rethink uh, that problem in, in, in brand new ways and get to very different conclusions based on the change state of play in respect of technology or culture or society or, or um, you know, geographic uh, representation. Well, I am blown away because I did not know that actually wasn't a Henry Ford quote. <laughs> the and now I think you're going to so tell me... So many misappropriated quotes. Now you're going to probably tell me that the Gandhi quote, drink one for my homies, is also not from Gandhi. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> Jamie, I have one last question for you. and But before I ask that question, I want to say thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day and your barbecue to come on and talk to us. Look, I almost, I almost thought we should postpone this because I was like, wow, I definitely had one or two too many scotches uh, last night at the Christmas party. But um, look, I think we've gotten through it okay. <laughs> if I've stumbled on any words, trust me, this is why um, I encourage anybody <laughs> listening to go off and have a listen to some of the other podcasts I've been on too. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a tone difference, I'm sure. But look, I think it's been a pretty, a pretty awesome conversation. So thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And I also had a couple IPAs last night and maybe a couple more than I shouldn't have. And we're both trying to make it through the best we can, but I think you're right. We did a very good job. Last question. What three songs would you like with your interview? Ah, so I did see your note about this and I haven't had, I haven't had a good uh, chance to think about it yet. Look, one of my favorite bands of all time is, is Radiohead. Uh, and some okay. people will cringe and some people will celebrate that idea. I think one of their more recent songs, uh, Burn the Witch, really, really awesome song. But I also have a pretty sort of diverse and eclectic taste in music. I, I like a lot of EDM. I like some classical as well. So I think, let me get back to you with the other two, because what I think would be cool would be to mix it up a little bit. We'll have some sort of, uh, we'll have some sort of modern alt rock, I suppose you could call it, uh, in the form of Radiohead. And then maybe we'll We'll throw in a, a cool dance uh, track and uh, and maybe some maybe some electronic jazz as well. Uh, maybe right something on. from Saint Germain. I'll, I'll get back to you. All right, right on, right on, man. Well, anyway, thank you, Jamie, very much, and you enjoy your day. Thanks, man. All right, brother.
Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101, and I hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Jamie. Before we go, the music today was by Radiohead, Burn the Witch, Justice, New Lands, and St. Germain, Rose Rogue. And you can find the links to those songs in our description. And lastly, I want to give a shout out to ApogeeCrypto.com. That's Apogee, A-P-O-G-E-E, Crypto.com. They're the ones that help me track down Jamie and hook up this interview. So I owe it to them to meet Jamie. Thank you very much, ApogeeCrypto.com. And furthermore, it's also the best place to check prices, real-time crypto prices. So if you're using CoinCap.com, CoinMarketCap.com, or any other place to check your crypto, check out ApogeeCrypto.com. The site looks dope, super functional, and it has so much more information than most of the other places. Thank you very much for listening. This is Matthew Aaron with Crypto 101.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.